Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you've seen something paranormal and you want to share your story with us, or if you know of a story you think we should cover, you can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. My art book, Apparitions, if you order it this week until Saturday, not only will I sign it, but I've been doing little sketches in the books as well. See a little Bigfoot sketch usually. Depends what I feel, but it's 90% of the time it's a little Bigfoot sketch. There's still time. I know it's late because the podcast comes out on Thursday, but there's still time if you want to get What if it's like Sunday at like 4 a.m.? Would you sneak it in there? Like, would it be okay? Technically, I said it ends Friday, but let's say for the podcast, people will, will extend it through the weekend. <laughs> okay, through the weekend. That sounds if, fair. So hurry up and jump <laughs> on that. There are links to buy that book. You can either get it directly from us. There are links in the show notes, or you can get it at our Etsy shop either way. I'll put a little sketch in it and sign it for you. I want to thank our patrons who make Strange Familiars possible. Without our patrons, we could not do the show. So thank you very much, patrons. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for your support. If you like the content we make and you'd like to help us continue to make Strange Familiars, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Go ahead and check it out. There's all different tiers of support there. You can either go in just for the extra content, or you can get things like t-shirts, stickers, copies of my books, artwork, and more. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you don't like the idea of a subscription service like Patreon, you can make a one-time donation. Just go to the show notes under any episode at strangefamiliars.com. Look for the paypal.me link. You can click on that and leave a one-time donation. And everyone can help by liking and subscribing wherever you're listening and leaving us those nice reviews. So on tonight's episode, we're combining two audience favorites, On-Site Shows and Brother Richard. 
Oh, yeah, those are two good ones. <laughs> Unfortunately, Brother Richard wasn't on site with us. Oh, how good would that I be? I know, that would be awesome. <laughs> Maybe someday. Maybe someday. But Chad and I went to a place locally known as Devil's Hole. And then you invited a priest to talk about the Devil's <laughs> Hole with you. <laughs> we took the spirit box with us or the ghost box or whatever you call it. You can hear what we did. They were pretty short ghost box sessions because I didn't like what I heard. So I turned it off, but you can hear what we heard. So I'll talk to Chad first. We'll play those on-site clips. And next, we'll talk to Brother Richard about spirit contact. And he has some, as always, great advice and wonderful experiences that he shares with us as regards to spirit contact. So without further ado, we'll go to my conversation with Chad about Devil's Hole and the on-site clips. So Chad, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Welcome back. It's good to be back. I know it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, the uh, pandemic and all that, it's got everything all messed up. Yeah, it really, really has. It's ruined some things for me, and I know it just made life in general tough for everybody. Plus, some of the times we have been getting together, it's been for this project that we're not talking about yet, that we're still working on. So, Yes. <laughs> People haven't heard that. Very intensive project, I could say. Yeah. But this has to do with what we did. It was Thursday, March 1st, and we took a hike through what's known as Devil's Hole in York County. Now, Devil's Hole now refers specifically to the remains of a quarry which is in the woods along the Susquehanna River, and it's not too far from Site 7 as the crow flies. I wrote a little bit about Devil's Hole in my book, Don't Look Behind You. I'm going to read that. This is uh, starting on page 85 of Don't Look Behind You. The entire section of the county, which included at least some of the area that comprises Site 7, used to be called Devil's Hole by locals. There is still a place, somewhat close to Site 7, which is called Devil's Hole in modern times. This is the remains of an old quarry along the Mason-Dixon Trail south of Wrightsville. It used to be a much larger region of the county, was known as Devil's Hole. Certain people around here seem particularly sensitive to devil or hell names. Hellum Borough changed its name to Hallam, for instance, because the citizens didn't want hell to be part of the borough name. Thankfully, Hellum Township didn't give into such childish ideas and kept the original spelling. So perhaps it was the fear of the devil that caused people to stop calling this section of the county Devil's Hole, or perhaps it was more practical concerns. While it was never an official designation, it might be somewhat difficult to sell real estate in or entice people to move to a place called Devil's Hole. Places which bear these devil or hell names are worth noting for our purposes. Bigfoot researchers have noted for decades that a disproportionate number of sightings seem to occur in places with devil or hell names. Devil's Creek, Devil's Pass, Hell Run, Satan Hill, etc list is long and extensive. Is it possible these devil places were named after things people were seeing there? Bigfoot were known as mountain devils in some places. Locally, the Susquehannock Indians were said to have images of the Albatwitch on their war shields. Interestingly, some historical reports simply called the images on the shields of the Susquehannocks devils. David Pilates has written an entire series of books on people missing under mysterious circumstances called Missing 411. Pilates, an ex-police officer, was alerted to some of these strange disappearances by employees of the national parks. As he looked into the cases of missing people, he found again what seemed to be a disproportionate number of cases were coming from places with devil or hell names. 
My research into the area led to another story, not far outside would have been known as the Devil's Hole region in the county. This is another tale of spooks from 1910. Case of Spooks A surety of peace case that aroused a lot of interest was the one brought against Solomon Rissinger of Lower Windsor Township by John W. Graham for making threats to knock the latter's brain out. The parties lived in a district known locally as Bull Run, a little community located in the hills that run far back from the Susquehanna River at the foot of Long Level. The result of the suit yesterday was that Graham, the prosecutor, caught costs of the prosecution, the case being dismissed by Judge Stewart. The trouble arose over the story that spooks were seen crawling over the roofs of porches. One night, about the middle of June, Rissinger thought he heard noise on the porch roof just outside his bed window. He arose and investigated, but found nothing to justify his fears. A day or so forward, he met Graham and told him of his experience, and asked Graham who he supposed the marauder might be. Graham first suggested that it might be another neighbor, David Ritz, but this suggestion was mutually abandoned, and Graham finally thought that this might have been Rissinger himself. This Rissinger denied, and taking Graham's taunt to mean that he, Rissinger, was doing the spook act, Rissinger called Graham a liar. Graham subsequently met Rissinger in front of the latter's house and wanted to fight him, but Rissinger said that he did not want to quarrel, but that if Graham would wait until he got his breakfast, he would go along down the road and talk it over. Graham told the court that Rissinger threatened to knock his brains out when the subject of spooks was first talked about between them, and that on a later day, Rissinger was crouching in a fence corner with a handful of stones, lying in wait for him. Rissinger denied all of these charges. That's from the York Daily, September 26, 1905. So our interest here lies not with a dispute between neighbors, but with the idea of spooks, and especially spooks crawling on roofs. As noted previously, spook is one of the terms often used in Pennsylvania newspapers to describe Bigfoot and other anomalous creatures. There have been a number of reports, both modern and historical, wherein Bigfoot witnesses report the creatures have climbed upon their house and proceeded to walk or crawl across their roof. Of course, similar things are often reported in poltergeist cases. Yet another trait shared between paranormal phenomena, which are, according to most paranormal researchers, unrelated. I cannot say if the spooks in the above article are supernatural or simply some sort of all-too-human neighborhood prowler. I simply find it interesting that a spook story, which includes something crawling upon rooftops, should occur relatively close to Devil's Hole in Site 7. To my knowledge, the spook mystery at Bull Run was never solved. So that's a little bit about Devil's Hole and the area. And interestingly, we drove through Bull Run on the way down to Devil's Hole. Okay. Was that the road with all the small houses? Yeah, it's got like small houses and cabins and stuff as you head down. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like almost like you're driving through a um, like a small valley. You know what I mean? It reminds me like of of a back road in like in the mountains or something. Right, right. Like a hollow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the best way to describe it. Interesting. So, John and I had an interesting kind of uneventful hike through the area of Devil's Hole in January or February. It was either January or early February. And he helped me actually use landmarks to determine exactly where the old quarry was. I was never specifically sure. Once you know, it's like really obvious because like you mentioned, there's, you know, cuts in the rock and so forth. But it was almost like that was too easy. Like it was right there, you know? So I was like, oh, it must be somewhere else. It kind of reminded me of the the old iron quarry we found when we were doing, uh, what was his name down down in Maryland? He said the earth would not hold him. Oh, Lee Masters. Yes, when we found Lee Masters, where they had quarried out the iron, mm-hmm. and they had like the, that little uh, 
playground down in there and probably nobody knew really what it was right <laughs> unless you know what you're looking at you know what i mean yeah so yeah. it reminded me of that yeah it's just i mean it's it's right there once you you know kind of use your head a little bit but i mm-hmm. i just assumed it was further back in there and it, it wouldn't be so close but so a short way along the trail from the old quarry john and i discovered like an old abandoned ruined cemetery which is a really, really neat place. Like, we went there, which you'll hear later, and uh, there's broken tombstones. Some of them are leaning up against trees, and some of them are flat on the ground. And There's a few still standing, some in German, some in English. It's a pretty neat place, and I doubt you can see it once things start growing up there. Oh, I, I agree with you. It's not in a place that you would expect a cemetery either. You know what I mean? It just, it's, yeah. it's there. Yeah, and I don't know if there was a meeting house nearby at some point or a church or something, but I couldn't see any foundation right there anyway. It's just right. it's like sitting on the trail or alongside the trail. It's this old cemetery. Yeah, yeah, it's like on a hilltop Yeah, overlooking the river. I mean, yeah. it's actually pretty when you look out from towards the river. You, you can see, I guess what we saw, a bald eagle, and there was seagulls and stuff. We did, Out yeah. there. Yeah, it, it's a very pretty spot. I mean, I almost think they stuck it up there because there really wasn't many much land to settle there unless you're on the bluffs or you're down by the river itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. so shortly after we got there that day, and we were just kind of getting our packs together and getting ready to go on the hike, I thought it was interesting. The man pulled up with his dog and told us that they had found bear tracks there recently. Yeah. <laughs> and... One of our past guests, Jerry, he said he found mountain lion tracks there, and mountain lion tracks and, I think, tail tracks in the snow there. So, you know, things are there, but uh, we, we saw neither of those tracks. No, we didn't. I, I, I was hoping I would have seen the bear tracks, actually. I was, I was hoping I would have seen something. The only place I've ever but, found bear tracks, believe it or not, is uh, Cador State Park. I believe that. I believe that because everyone, I think they had a bear cub or a juvenile, a juvenile bear actually run through downtown Hannah once. Yeah. I think there, I think you can see that on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it was like in the middle of the square and it was like, you know, terrified. So I can't remember if they just drove him out or if he, um, if they tranquilized him and then took him back upstate. Not entirely sure, but I think the year I found those tracks would have been that same year that that ran through the square. So it may have been the same crater. It, it probably was. So we made our way through the quarry, and first thing we went to the the ruined cemetery, and I had tried to use the ghost box there by myself. So I've been there, I think, two times since John and I went, and then I went alone two times, and then you and I went. Honestly, I never got a signal in that cemetery. But uh, when we were there, we got a signal, so we were able to use it. We did two very short ghost box sessions, and I want to just go ahead and address this while we're talking about ghost boxes. I know they're considered reliable. I know it's said that people can make whatever they want from them, or they say people can influence the results. I'm cool with that. If we're influencing the results, I still find that pretty amazing. If it's audio pareidolia... It is what it is. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm not here to argue with people on the effectiveness or ineffectiveness of ghost boxes. The fact is, we did it and we got interesting results. What we thought were interesting results. 
Now we use a kind of modified Estes method. So you may be familiar with the Estes method. They use it in Hellier. They put headphones on a guy and a blindfold and he cannot hear the questions and he gives the responses to the person that's asking the questions who can not hear the ghost box. So it's an interesting thing and it kind of sets up one person as, as the medium in a sense. And we do sort of a modified Estes method where you will turn your back to me, you'll turn, you, you use headphones, you'll turn it up pretty loud. You can't hear me asking the questions. No, I can't hear you even when you, when you say anything. Mm-hmm. So, no, I can't hear anything at all. But go ahead, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no problem. You will hear gaps and pauses in the speech. It doesn't come cleanly. What it's doing is it's kind of cycling through and Chad's picking up bits of speech here and there. And he's just saying what he hears. I'm going to go ahead and we'll play the first ghost box session. I almost didn't have to ask any questions, which is, it's kind of unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes these sessions don't make any sense at all. And you're just kind of, they're just words coming out. That didn't seem to be the case with this one. It just sort of seemed to come together. It kind of starts off the session with this comment, like, so you can go, which I took to mean leave right away. I just wanted to note that since we've been doing this, like we started at that other location, which we're still working on, which we keep we keep referencing, we've been using the, the same technique. But since that time, we've been getting like vaguely threatening or warning messages from the box pretty often. Yeah. Yeah. It's been pretty consistent as far as like getting something. Right. Yeah. So I think it's where we put, we're putting ourselves you know, in the locations we've been at, yeah, it, we have been getting some kind of, like you said, threatening or messages that give us cause for concern. Right. Now, the other thing about these two sessions is they're quick. Now, sometimes we have that on for 30, 40 minutes that we're getting messages or whatever. These were quick. Like, what you hear is pretty much what we did. So right. let's play this first session. It's very quick. Basically, I stopped Chad to let him know, like, things are getting weird and intense, and it's kind of like letting him know it's working, and, and then we start again. But here's the first one. We'll go ahead and play that now. Inviting whatever's here to play with us. So we are right off the Mason-Dixon Trail. There's a kind of an abandoned cemetery that you can only see, I'm guessing, in the winter. I'm guessing when this grows up, it gets pretty obscured. It's, it's marked with posts, like metal posts with orange, but if yeah, you're but, not looking for it, you're not going to see it. Yeah, I don't think. I bet even during the winter, I bet a lot of people walk by it, but it's it's here. And we're right by the river. We can see the river from where this hill, where we are, where the cemetery is. I think I tried to use the ghost box here before. I don't know if I could get a signal, but we're getting signal today. So we're going to try our modified Estes method, which we had success with at the bridge. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn around and face <clears throat> the hill. Okay. Tap my shoulder when you start talking. Okay. That, and that way I don't even know you're talking. Right. Does that make sense? Yep, and I'll keep it low. I'll get close to the mic so mm -hmm. I can talk quietly. And... Well, I have my recorder on here. Okay. All right, I can't hear anything you're saying. All right. Let me get a signal. It's good to be cycling through.
Okay. Alright. So first we want to ask, is there anybody here? And the sounds you hear in the background is a tractor or something in the farm behind us. Is there anything here? Any entity like to speak to us? Against my... Filled... Because you want me... We would like you to answer, yes. Just so you go. Oh, you want us to go. <laughs> Are we speaking to people? Called by. We did call you, yes. Do the rot willow will of God. The devil went wanna I don't know. <laughs> wow. Are we talking to more than one entity? The voice in my head. The challenge is yours because the word Yes, sir. All right, so basically we immediately started this second session. And again, what you hear is, is what happened. There's barely any editing. Some some of the pauses between your statements I cut down just so listeners wouldn't have to listen for, you know, thirty seconds or something right. between words. But otherwise, like what you hear is what's there. Let's go ahead and play that. So, because my ears aren't as good as yours. So I don't even know when you're answering a question. Well, so I started asking questions, and then I just stopped and let you speak, because what was coming out was super freaking interesting. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm just saying the words. I'm not yeah. piecing it together in a sentence well, or anything I, like, like that. like I said, I'll have to go back and listen to it, but I think there's two things coming through at once. So there's like one thing says something, and then the other thing it says something. It was weird because... Then one thing says something, then the other thing It says. would be quiet for a while. And then I would hear a voice, you know, or a voice. I would mm -hmm. hear, you know, something through the box. And then it would go for a little bit, and then it would stop. Mm -hmm. And then it would be quiet again. And then it, would, it, was, it was like two people talking, like you said. Like, you know, yeah. it'd be like me talking, and then a pause, pause. and then, yeah. you, then you would talk. That's what I was hearing. Interesting. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and then I was hearing, um, I think it was, there were Spanish words. I couldn't. Right, yeah. 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 But... No, I, I. What I'm doing is I'm just whatever the signal is clearest, is what I'm saying. All right. Well, let's try it one more time, and then we'll we'll go to Devil's Hole and, and see. 
what we get. I want to do it at the Bushcraft Shop. Okay, we can do it there. We can too. do that too. Yeah. yeah. Just tap me when you're ready to start. Yeah. That seems to work the best. Yeah, yeah. And then tap my left shoulder if we have to get the hell out. Yeah, I'll tap you hard. You'll, yeah. you'll know. Let's go. You'll know. Okay, so there seem to be... One after the other. Yeah, the voices seem to be coming through without me even asking questions. That's emblematic. Wow. Emblematic of what? You... You've been heavy. You're going to have to lift. Do you still want us to go? Are they going to make you? Mm -hmm. Tonight. I won't be here tonight. These are the high that you like. Chances are they will cost you. Oh. Tonight, my love. I'm out. <laughs> Okay, so just, I ended that immediately. <laughs> just I felt yeah. thre- I felt threatened. I yeah. didn't like what was coming through, and I just ended it. And I, w- I want to say this: I did not find out what it had said to you the first time until a couple days later. Right. I sent you the ghost box sessions. You're just kind of saying words as they come to you. You're not even trying to make any sense of them. You're listening for words and saying the words. Yeah. Yeah. What you do is you put your hand on my shoulder, let me know when to start. And then I just listen. And then when the words come, I just, I just say them. I put my back to you. So, and like I said, I can't hear what you're saying. I can't see when your mouth is moving. So I have no idea when you're, when you're asking questions. And then usually you put your hand on my shoulder to stop me. So we don't put a blindfold on because being outside in the woods and all that, that's not a good idea. Yeah, not only that, I'm behind your back anyway. It's not like you can read my lips or anything. So Right. But yeah, I just, just say what I hear. And mm-hmm. I don't try and put them into any coherent sentence or anything like that. It just, right. It's just whatever I hear. Right. Didn't like what, what I heard, so we, I just caught it. So like, let's stop this now. There's no sense... Well, that's something that whenever me and you go to graveyards, mm-hmm. like one thing I want to say is we never go in there trying to poke the bear. No. We're very respectful to the people who are who are resting there. I almost felt like we were eavesdropping in on a conversation mm-hmm. during this session. Uh, when, I, when I listened back to what, what was recorded, and then it was almost like on the second one is when they noticed us and they were like, you know, hey, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, and then like you said, like you said, I believe you made the right call for us to, to pull out. Yeah. Because I, I respect those people immensely, you know, because they, they're my forebears and that's not, not 
something I consider cool to go in there and just, you know, cause trouble. Right. Right. So it was definitely the good call. We went back and and kind of doubled back, and then we spent the rest of the day kind of hiking deeper into the Devil's Hole area. You found some deer bones along the path. Yep. Don't know if that counts as deer and or skull finds, but they were there. (laughs) To me, me it does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, later, you found something else. know what that is part of something that was living no that's no? one animal is it real oh is it it's a squished uh mole there's the there's the claws there's the head yeah <laughs> well <laughs> yeah there's a there's a mole along the trails there's a big one Huh? It's a big one unless yeah. it's just squished out. Well, remember we get them in the spring? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what are we coming into? Spring? Yeah. I looked down like, what the hell is that? And I thought it was like feathers at first. I'm not super pleased with the messages we got. No, but. I wasn't either. So uh, here come the the moles and voles again, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I actually like laughed out loud because I was like, "Here we go!" And you know, it's the same time of year, you know, the end of winter, the beginning of spring, and uh, he was just laid out there, you yeah, know, right along the trail. So, and we know, almost I didn't just, go that way. I was like, we were kind of. The trail that cut back to our cars, we actually walked by, and you were like, oh, I want to just go mm-hmm. this way a little bit, because we were just going to cut back into the quarry and call it a day, and we we ended up going that way, and that's when you found that. Yeah, I just, just found that was interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, another synchronicity, you know. And So as we're making our way out, we did one final ghost box session in the old quarry. This one was longer, but for some reason, we both had recorders running. For some reason, neither of our recorders pick this up right i mean we were not we didn't have them sitting around we were both holding them they were on our persons yep and the batteries were working Mm -hmm. i do want to say that my recorder kicked out on the first ghost box session in the cemetery too that's right my recorder did not did not pick up any of that so i don't know what happened i mean it was running the lights were on It was weird. It was almost like it went into a pause. I had two hours of recording. So I had the, you know, the whole thing where we found the mole and everything before we did the last ghost box section. And then I had two hours of recording after it, which I I swear I stopped it. I swear I stopped stopped the recorder. But when I got home, the recorder was running. So that is weird. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, because. I have, as we're walking up to the cemetery, and then it goes, I mean, right as, you, as we go, okay, let's start the ghost box session. Let's, let's go ahead and do this. And you hear me go in the start, and the recorder just goes dead. Mm. 
I got some like electronic feedback right then, but I didn't know if that was the ghost box or what. I wonder if whatever electronic feedback I caught, I wonder if that was like your recorder going off or something. I don't know. I don't know. And huh. then after we walked out of the cemetery, my recorder kicked back on and it was making odd, weird garble sounds. Now, I honestly think that's due to the wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got some of that. But the fact that it came back on after leaving the cemetery was, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And then once we walked back further back in the devil's hole, I had all that. So you, it's not like you, then, you took your recorder out and found that it had paused. It just, you're just missing sections of re- recording, essentially. Absolutely. Weird. Absolutely. I did yeah, not pause weird. it. It was just, just really weird. That's what it was like for the, that final ghost box session in, in the quarry. I have the record. I have it going up to it. Yep. And then I have it as we were, we were parting ways and I was getting in my Jeep. I have that, <laughs> which yeah. I thought I had stopped it by then. But anyway, so it's just, it's just missing. It's just not there. Absolutely. And that's what it did on mine both times at, at the first ghost box recordings, the two up that we did at the cemetery. I, it's completely dead dead air until we get away from the cemetery and then you know we're walking up we're like okay let's do this nothing and it's a shame because it was a longer ghost box session in the quarry and there was some really Uh, interesting things that were coming through we'll just kind of go over as we remember it so the first thing i remember was a message which mentioned you and john which i took to be me and john darby who comes on the show sometimes as we had been there together, right? It sort of implied or specifically mentioned us visiting or coming through the area. And it mentioned the number or numbers. The The actual pronunciation, I remember, was 135. Now, I don't know the, if that was 100, 135, or 100 and 35, two separate numbers, you know? Right. And I asked John if those numbers meant anything to him. He said no. So who knows what that meant but it was just odd it just specifically said you and john and and that might refer to something else which we'll we'll get to later it mentioned mighty indigenous people i think it mentioned that two times now right the really interesting thing about that is just north of there is the last susquehannock village right right on uh, just north of there probably less than a half mile if even even less than a quarter mile is native lands, and on the bluff up there was the last large village of the Susquehannock Native Americans. That was their last, you know, where they actually had like a large village with the palisade around it and the whole nine yards. After living there, they were scattered. Yeah. So I found that to be really, really interesting. They would have been mighty, for sure. Like like I've talked oh, about. Oh, yeah. Talked about it before the the average height I think of the male the, the male Susquehannock they said was like seven feet tall they were supposed to be incredibly muscular incredibly fit and frightening like the other tribes even though they were a very small tribe the other tribes generally didn't mess with them you did want to mess with them serious dudes yeah they were very fierce yeah very fierce people I mean they warred with the Senecas and the Iroquois and you know those were big nations mm-hmm. and they still couldn't conquer that little small group of people i mean they weren't like a gigantic nation right no they were, just through... relatively speaking they were a, they were a small you know tribe mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. they were just very fierce <laughs> and 
And then what came through next is it mentioned to look for lost or hidden gold. Now, spirit contact is filled with spirits telling people to look for lost gold and treasure and so forth. And I have stories in a couple of my, my books, I think, of uh, definitely one from the Delta area of people who just squandered their lives looking for this promised gold or this promised buried treasure, and it's never found. So I'm always kind of, you know, I, I take it with a grain of salt when any you know, spirit or anything promises gold or treasure of any sort. But we did look around. We thought, well, we might as well, you know, we're here. We'll look around a little bit. Maybe somebody lost some jewelry or maybe we'll find something interesting or something. We, so we, right. did, we did look as we left, but uh, we didn't find anything. However, a few minutes before we actually started the ghost box section, if you remember, I was talking about bringing a metal detector down in there. Oh, uh, yeah. I do remember that now. Yeah. yeah. So, I do remember that now. Yep. So that's huh. that's interesting, but who knows. Now, the following day, I needed a break after we got what I felt was, was threatened or at least got some, some not very positive messages from the ghost box. It's like, you know, I'm going to take a break. I did contact Brother Richard that night, as you'll hear later on. I talked to Brother Richard and asked him for some, some blessings and prayers, and he was very, very kind and put my mind at ease, and I, I think he put your mind at ease as well. Oh, absolutely. I I was worried also, honestly. Yeah. So the following day, I'd go out and just, you know, let's not do anything paranormal today. I'd go out with Allison and just kind of poke around and look at some antiques. And I found this, this, it's an early kind of alternate translation of The Long Lost Friend called The Long Hidden Friend. Same book, essentially, just a different translation. And I found this at a shop called Golden Lane Antiques. And I wasn't even thinking about this. I was telling you, I was excited I found this book. And I'm I'm texting Chad, and I think I'm, I might have sent you a picture of the cover of it. Right. And you started asking questions like, well, wait a minute, where'd you find this now? And I said, I found it at a, it's a shop called Golden Lane. And then you pointed out, you said, you found something hidden at Golden Lane. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it hit me like a thunderbolt. I got the text, the, the message, and I was reading it, and I'm like, oh my God, Golden Lane. I mean, it hit me like, I said, do you realize that you found something hidden in that in a golden place? <laughs> it didn't even occur to me. When you said that, I went, right. oh. And then I told Allison, and she actually was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, so. Well, I even asked you. I said, I said am I reaching? <laughs> am I reaching? Am I really, really stretching here? And you're like, no. <laughs> well, I mean, the true yeah. answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Are we stretching? Right. Who right. knows? But right. it, it's certainly an interesting thing. And then you brought up another point. You said, could the John that was mentioned not be John Darby, but could it be John Homan who wrote The Long Hidden right. Friend? And right. I really, really wish we had those recordings now so I could go back and listen to the context in which it said you and John. Because, I mean, certainly John is a very common name. But, you know, I'm wondering, you know, maybe you're right. I don't know. You know, I don't know. But very, very interesting. Very interesting day. And we will be going back. We we have more to explore there. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to go back, honestly. While I have you, before you go, I want to mention, you brought this up as regards to the episode with the phasing Bigfoot. And I got a couple messages yep. about this. 
when she talks about the crashing or metal clanging sounds. Now, Alex from the episode It Was a Witch or a Sasquatch, one of our most popular episodes, he contacted me like that morning and said, sounds like, you know, seems like what we heard right before Colin's account when Colin got lost. And like he said, he, he didn't know whether it was a witch right. or a Sasquatch, whatever was happening to him in the woods. And then later on, not knowing this, you contacted me and you said, hey, remember at Pandemonium that night we heard a big metal clang right before everything busted off. Yeah. Actually I said to you when we were out on the trail. Was that when it was? Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, we were out in the trail. We were hiking, I think, to the cemetery. We were ju- we had just left the. Oh, uh, that's right. Because the episode would have been published earlier that day. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. when I heard it, I was actually like got goosebumps because it just took me right back to Pandemonium. I was like, God, that's exactly what we kind of heard. In, yeah, I, I wish. And that's the one time at I think all night at Pandemonium, I didn't have the recorder running. Yeah, we we were well, on we were, dinner break. We were just kind of having a nice, pleasant conversation. We weren't doing anything yeah. spooky or anything. We were just kind of sitting around. And I turned the recorder off, and we'll never do that again. <laughs> no, we're gonna keep one at least running yeah. at all times. Yeah, really you interesting. Know. Really interesting, and it and didn't occur to me yeah. at all when Lynn was telling her stories. So I don't know. Who knows? Definitely worth noting, though. Chad, thanks for stopping by. We'll have you back again soon. All right. Thank you, Tim. It was great as usual. So see you out in the trail, hopefully soon again. Right on. Do you have a devil dog in your life? <laughs> a devil dog? A devil dog. From Devil's Hole? Yeah, yeah. Like they could follow me home from yeah. Devil's Hole? Yeah. I mean, if you did, and he was nervous, you know, being in a new place. Mm-hmm. If he was taking that out on your furniture, if he was barking, if he was, you know, baying towards hell or something, how do you think you could fix that? I would call <laughs> Tina at 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. You might want to put an extra call into Brother Richard, too. <laughs> <laughs> but puppies, normal puppies, not even devil dogs, can be whirlwinds of destruction. They absolutely can. And 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. With their relationship-based approach to training, they help you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have online sources, video lessons, a secret Facebook group, and of course, one-on-one options are available. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Let 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy help you understand how your dog thinks, which is not how you think, and apply proactive training methods So again, you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. Again, sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more... Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So now I'm going to go to my conversation with Brother Richard. After we got these kind of unpleasant messages, I felt it was just not what I wanted to hear coming out of the ghost box. Mm -hmm. I was a little upset, a little unsettled, and I contacted Brother Richard. And he's always a calming force. He's always Mm -hmm. a wise force, I think, in my life. I do consider him my spiritual advisor and one of my advisors on all things other. Mm -hmm. You know, he's someone I absolutely trust as far as this goes. So uh, I reached out to him that evening after coming back from Devil's Hole, and he said a blessing for us. He said he would pray for us, Chad and I, and uh, gave me a, a wonderful prayer in Latin to say, and calm me down. Really, what I was worried about as much as anything was getting in my own head. And, yeah, yeah. And Like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like you, you trip and fall, and suddenly you go, oh, the Spirit said something bad was going to happen tonight, you know? Yeah, and, and it's almost like an attribution as opposed to, like, um, there's no will in that necessarily, you know? Like, there isn't, like, some ongoing will in the background that doesn't have anything to do with you. I mean, you know, I don't know what the mechanism is, but my mm-hmm. thought is I know I could do that to myself. Mm-hmm. So... Part of me reaching out to Brother Richard was to sort of calm my, myself and to know, like, it's like that rock you reach out and just, like, grab onto. Like, okay. Yeah, just I'll, for stability's yeah, sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was very, very sweet of him. And he was literally been there anytime I needed advice or help or anything like that. Now, you don't find it too on the nose that your one Irish friend you choose to put on on St. Patrick's Day show. <laughs> It wasn't planned that it way. It wasn't planned that way. It was entirely unplanned. But oh, happy St. Patrick's Day to Brother Richard and all of our Irish friends. So here's my conversation with Brother Richard, a sort of follow-up to that about spirit contact and some of his experiences and thoughts on the matter. And as usual, I think he's wonderful. So here's Brother Richard. I'd like to welcome Brother Richard back to the show. How are you doing tonight, Brother Richard? I'm good, thanks. It's always it's always good to be welcomed. Well, I want to thank you, first of all, for uh, giving us that blessing and, and sending that prayer, which I think it put us both quite at ease because I, I was in contact with Chad, of course, and let him know. And uh, he, he had requested that I contact you uh, before we even parted ways that day. So first and foremost, okay. I want to thank you for that. No problem, no problem. That's the day job, really. Uh, Strange Familiars <laughs> is, is on the periphery of that, but uh, it's nice when the day job and, and other things overlap. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely put my mind at ease and was a good thing. So the prayer you sent me, was is that a specific prayer or blessing that you use frequently? Yeah, the initial one, the, the first part of it, the um, Subtuum Presidium, is one of the oldest uh, prayers of protection to the Blessed Virgin. It goes back, as far as we know, to at least the second century very, very ancient one in the Christian world uh, and is used generally as a a prayer of protection, along with the blessings then that are given there as well, one of which is known as the St. Anthony's Brief or or Brevis, just means a short, short blessing. That's the one that begins Ecce Crucium Domine, um, which is a a prayer of um, protection and expulsion. And both of those are quite powerful, really, in the spiritual world. 
so uh, they, they tend to be good ones to reach for when we're not really sure what we're dealing with as a way of just, um, just uh, I suppose, signaling uh, our need for protection from the higher sources. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I think that was the big thing, like just not knowing what we're doing with, which I guess mm. is the case whenever you enter into contact with the other of any sort. Mm. You really sure. never know what you're dealing with. You know, as much as feelings are worth, I don't think either Chad or I was super happy with that experience that day. Mm. And I know it's, you know, it's like audio pareidolia, right? You listen to it and you go, well, maybe it's something, maybe it's not. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, you really have to guard yourself against is the um, the kind of subconscious beginning to kind of dictate or put pattern on on what's coming up. Um, we used to always say to, to the kids, you know, whenever you'd go around uh, working with schools and things, inevitably, whenever Halloween came, they all wanted the ghost stories, you know. And really what they would be talking about as they kind of brought their various experiences forward, 99.9% of, of it all generally was a group of people in a room who had succeeded in terrifying each other, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think to some extent that can happen no matter what we're doing. I, I think what you encountered was something a little more exactly what it, what it is or what it was. I have no idea, you right. know, um, right. wasn't there, wasn't part of it. And I think it's important that there's no, um, you know, people who kind of come out immediately with definitive diagnoses and prescriptions and things like that. Um, uh, without having been there, without knowing um, and without sort of feeling into it, you know, I don't really know whether that's actually possible. But certainly, I think, um, you know, you definitely got a response. Now, whether the response was emerging from your own subconscious, whether it was psi connection, whether it's the pareidolia effect, whether it's a combination of all of those things, or whether there was, you know, actual entities of some description also working through that. Right. You know, who knows? And it could very well be a mix of all of that. Right. And part of my, like, setting me at ease is knowing the way my own mind works and not wanting, if I sit there and worry about it, even if it's nothing, mm. that prayer put me at ease. Does that make sense? Like, sure. Like, sure. Absolutely. Like that gives Absolutely. me something to, to put me at ease. And so I could sit there and say, if it's something I feel like, I, you know, I'm covered if it's nothing, yeah. <laughs> no harm done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, insurance is always a good thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So in the work that you've done, have you encountered like this sort of uh, spirits being threatening or, or aggressive? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, by and large, the way we take that is with, with a huge pinch of salt, um, literally sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, uh, generally what tends to happen, if it's a negative entity of some description, what it is really looking for more than anything else is fear and dependence. So to, in order to generate fear, it will threaten all kinds of things. And what will often happen with that then is people begin to almost create kind of nearly self-fulfilling prophecies. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're told there's going to be a horrible experience tomorrow, it's always couched in very general language as well then you're on, on the lookout for it and you'll nearly generate the thing yourself, you know. So, you know, I, I suppose our basic pieces of advice generally to the wider, to the public at large was always, if you are going to encounter these things, obviously place yourself under some form of spiritual protection yourself, whatever your particular tradition might be. And then, you know, really, I suppose with a good sense of humor, kind of dismiss it. Mm -hmm. um, and don't pay huge attention to it. Attention by itself you know, is a kind of a spiritual energy. 
people very often talk about negative entities looking for fear or feeding on our fear or feeding on our negative emotions. And I think there's some truth to that. But even attention itself has a spiritual faculty. I know in the in the um, in the Taoist energetic tradition, they have this idea that um, qi, uh, biological physical energy, qi goes where attention where attention flows. So the mere act of attending to something is in some way I'm sharing part of my life with it, whatever that might be. You know, whether it's a, a hobby, a relationship, whatever whatever it is, I'm putting energy into that. And I don't mean that in any kind of esoteric sense. Just I'm putting my life into it, you know, Um, giving time, attention. And I think particularly the kind of lesser, more trickstery kind of things, what they very often are looking for is to keep people on a kind of an emotional edge. So it's the constant promising of trouble if you don't do this or reward if you do that or, you know, being very capricious in terms of their responses to us. Mm-hmm. So from that point of view, I would dismiss certainly 99% of all information that's given of anything that can't be tested. Um, you know, there's a reason why even in the, uh, the, the the New Testament, the Apostle John speaking of, of these things, you know, always talks about you know, testing the spirits. And, and, and testing in that sense is almost a kind of an idea, like a, a sort of a purifying of metal. You know, that, that a lot of what you're going to get is just going to be something that's kind of going to discombobulate you enough that you're going to keep feeding it with attention or feeding it with fear. So from that point of view, great, you encountered something, information came your way. I wouldn't spend a huge amount of time drilling down into it. I'd simply note to myself if information that's given, you know, looks uh, like it's been vindicated in some way or validated. But I certainly wouldn't go looking to kind of create relationships, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. I, I think all that that does is particularly when we don't know what it is we're encountering, regardless of the names or the shapes that it might take, we, we, don't, we just simply don't know. Mm-hmm. So the more energy or information you, you give, I mean, I've seen people become quite obsessed with noting everything down and checking everything out and, you know, going off on... Um, set of quests to find this or to find that or whatever because it said it must be there and if we don't find it then the lack is in us rather than in the information of the spirit or the spirit is is, is offering them all kinds of promises and consolations that never really manifests you know mm-hmm. so these things can be very very trickstery and, and that's ever before we get to anything you know in, in the sort of demonic end of things which is a different level entirely right um I think there's something capricious sometimes that just likes seeing us dance. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and from that point of view, it, it can be good to kind of um, be able to sort of listen, breathe a sigh, of, a sigh you know, uh, breathe it out with, with a good sigh and just walk away from it. Yeah, I think I mentioned to you in a message I wrote regarding this mm. about, you know, the number of stories I've read about people who have had spirit contact have been promised gold and they've just squandered their life looking for this yeah. gold. And it, it always Absolutely. turns out they never find it. They look their entire life and they, they never find yeah. it. So when we were in the second uh, or the third session, I guess, that didn't record for us, when mm-hmm. it, it literally promised us gold, it said, look for gold. I really took, I just threw that right away. I told Chad, but I'm not spending any time yeah. looking for that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, we'll look around on the ground on the way out in case somebody dropped a necklace or something. But uh, I really mm-hmm. don't feel like we're going to find gold. So, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've kind of internalized that. The other thing is, I mean, the, the, the oldest legend of all I mean, in terms of the fairy gold is, is, you know, whatever is promised, even if it's gold when it arrives, 
very often turns to something else yes. <laughs> very quickly, you know. Yes. So, you know, I, I think when gifts are offered or, or promised or things like that, it's, it's you know, thank you, but no thank you, you mm-hmm. know, and with the greatest respect sort of saying, you know, I'm, I'm happy to leave it with you. If it belongs to the spirit realm, then it's not in our realm yet, you know, and, right. and from that kind of point of view, it, it can... It can bring with it problems, I think, anything that's kind of found along the way or given along the way like that. Yeah, I think some of the best advice you gave me was, I think it was the, the first time we talked as mm. regards to the gifting. You said, it's, it's not yours, just just re-gift it. Just, you know, yeah, just not to let it have a hold over you. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's, that's the big thing, you know, let your hands be open. Um, and if you can do good with it, great. Let the good flow through, whether that's presenting it to somebody that's that, that is in need or whether it's, you know, cherishing it for a while and then handing it back to the woods or handing it back, what it, you know, to the, to the land or giving it, passing it on to somebody else who will enjoy it for a while. But it's it's really important that your hands remain open, that it doesn't have a hold over you. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. There, there are people who have amassed, you know, massive collections of bits and pieces they've collected. And they can't even tell you where the things have come from or what the significance were, but they're afraid to let them go. And, and at that stage, it becomes, you know, really important to to allow them to, to kind of scatter these things and let them go again. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And as far as, you know, spirits being threatening or, or aggressive, mm. have you ever had a case where they, they kind of followed up on, on their threats? No, apart from where uh, there might be a kind of a, uh, a sort of a threat display of some description, you know, um, something that becomes very noisy or very loud. I mean, I've had experiences where we've gone to, to houses or places that people felt there were there were issues with and uh, our kind of presence arriving would cause a massive kind of a noisy um, sort of um, expression of maybe distaste that we were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I mean... I've, I've no problem with anybody finding me unlikable, whether that's in this world or the next. But when it's people who are being affected negatively, then we would tend to come in reasonably, uh, reasonably firmly and, and sort of command quiet and command stillness. And one of the things that that's very often there is, and, and, and by in terms of saying command, certainly not in our own name, but, you know, the authority of the tradition and the rituals that we carry yes. have an effect. So from from that point of view, you you can sometimes get it, it's like a like a a threat display from a an animal, you know. Very often it it's just trying to make itself bigger than it is. Uh, it's making much more noise, um, the you know that would lead you to believe there's there's a, a you're you're facing something that's much bigger, much heavier, much more violent, whatever it might be. And usually, as long as attention isn't paid to it and it's kind of dismissed, it vanishes very quickly. This is the bluff charge in, that uh, yeah, Bigfoot yeah, hunters are so, so familiar with. And absolutely. Chad is yeah. intimately familiar with that. Nothing comes of it. It's a bluff charge. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a perfect name for it in a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think, again, it's about generating fear, generating weakness, trying to convince you that it, it has more power than it actually has. Mm-hmm. How much do you rely on? So if you go to someone, you know, contacts you and, and they're having issues or something. How much do you rely on their interpretation or their feeling? And if they say, like, I don't, I just feel this is bad, you know, this isn't a good thing. Is the point then, do you try to comfort them or do you try to ascertain whether it's bad or do you trust their imp- impressions? Well, I, I think for, first and foremost, if somebody comes and says, I'm having a problem, um, the most important thing at that stage is to simply hear what, what they're going through. So for us, 
like and a lot of this is is just listening to people more than anything else and very often you can find that whether it has a spiritual reality or not whether there's actually something taking place uh, externally to them you know if they're going through uh, whether it's grief or fear or anxiety you know it's very important to kind of get to the roots of that and sometimes that takes a, a few sessions to sort of allow that to happen. So sometimes people can want to personify the other as the enemy immediately, when in actual fact, what you're actually getting is a kind of an environmental reflection of what's going on. Mm-hmm. A, a good story, just to give you an example. Um, some years ago, I was I was working in, in a number of different uh, schools, high, um, high schools, as you'd call them there. So kids of about 16 to 18, that kind of age group just doing ordinary work, ordinary kind of um, catechetics and that kind of stuff. And on one occasion, one of the other brothers who was working as a chaplain in one of the schools said to me, look, I've got a kid here and I, I really think you need to, to chat to her. Um, there's some kind of poltergeist stuff going on around her. But he said, there's more than, I know there's more than that. So I said, OK. So he said, she's going to be at a, at a particular retreat that we were doing. And he said, just keep an eye out for her. He said, I'm not going to tell you it is, but just keep an eye out for her. So I said, OK. So I didn't need to keep an eye out for her because she came straight up to me, um, uh, you know, and um, she waited till the group were all getting on the bus and we were kind of tidying up the room. And she came up and she said, could she have a word with me? And I said, sure. And she said, look, you know, you're probably not going to believe this, but there are ghosts kind of following me and there are spirits all around me. And I'm finding it really difficult to cope with it. And I was just listening to her. And as she was talking to me behind her, there was a large uh, planter of kind of bamboo you know, in, in, inside sort of house plants and bamboo and things like that, mm-hmm. used as a sort of a room division. And as she was talking to me, the bamboo and the plants all began to sway. Um, now, she was totally um, didn't notice this at all. She was a good couple of feet away, but I could see it over her shoulder. So she said to me, I'm not sure whether you believe me or not. I said, no, I believe you because I could see I could see all this stuff kind of happening in the background. So I said, look, if you want to come and talk to me, that's fine. But, you know, you need to bring one of your parents with you. So she was fine with that. That was OK came to chat with me. And at the start, it was all about fear. You know, she was having all of these sort of apparitions of the dead, of um, she was having terrible sleep paralysis problems. Um, uh, There were so many people trying to talk to her in her own head. She was finding it really difficult. Anyway, we went, went through the whole thing. So it was all fear, fear, fear. The more I talked to her, the more I realized really what we were dealing with was a very, very highly sensitive person, sensitive emotionally, sensitive mentally and sensitive psychically. And as she was heading into the kind of turmoil of high puberty as such, if you want to call it that, right. you know, she was heading into the turmoil of all of that. And she was just opening up. And because she was opening up, all of the various kind of spiritual bits and pieces around were seeing her on the other side, I suppose, as like a kind of someone with a light over their head. So they were all coming. Everything was coming to try and talk to her. Everything was coming to try and, and make, its, make its presence felt uh, around her. But she just didn't have the skills to deal with it. If she'd been living in a kind of a, a more sort of um, indigenous society, for example, she'd probably have been trained properly as a kind of a shaman or healer or, or wise woman or whatever. So it took about four or five sessions working with her just on basic meditative breathing skills along with blessings to make sure there was nothing negative attached. Now, what we discovered along the way was the vast majority of what she was dealing with was actually her own internal anxiety. Once we began to calm that down, there was a clarity that began to appear. But as well as that, there was the spirit, there were spiritual entities as well. 
So we set up a situation where she agreed to have almost kind of clinic hours nearly, you know, sort of spoke to the to, to the other um, spirits, etc., and said, you can't disturb me when I'm trying to sleep. You can't disturb me when I'm in school or when I'm at work. But, you know, for an hour a day, I will sit in meditation and I will listen. And that calmed thing down. But it was literally form an orderly cue, you know, to wow. talk to the person. Now, she's gone on to, to very good things and great things, thankfully. But we also included in that a psychological assessment. We got her to go and see a doctor and a nutritionist because she was starving herself, not from a, a eating disorder point of view, but just from anxiety. And she was also somebody who was really uncomfortable talking about it within her family. Now, when she began to talk about it with her family, we discovered that there had been a great aunt. So her mother's aunt had also gone through the same experience in her teenage years, but had actually been institutionalized by her family because they couldn't cope with it. Right. And she eventually came out of the institution, but was from then on the mad auntie you know, and nobody really knew how to cope with her, how to deal with her. So there was obviously quite a a strong hereditary gift in that. And the reason I'm telling you all this is because when you sit down with someone who's just going through this or we're we're brought into it, it's never as simple as there's a ghost, kick it out. It's always much more complicated. So when somebody says to me, I think it's negative or I think it's bad, there may be elements of that. But what you'll often find is there's a kind of a cloud forming around a person or a, or a, a haunted location or that kind of stuff that has everything from good, bad, indifferent, just like when you walk into any town or any village, you're going to find good people and wonderful people and not so great people. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a fair bit of discernment and cases tend to take much longer to kind of pull the threads apart. The only thing we would be on the watch out for is if there's anything almost parasitic that's sort of um, really draining people. And the one thing that you see where that occurs is where you have somebody who's absolutely obsessed with trying to, to get information or stay in communication with, you know, it, it really resists any kind of call back to just ordinary human life. That's where it can be dangerous. Yeah, I find that in, uh, we've gotten a few of them on the show of, younger people with Ouija boards and they, they tend to get obsessed and yeah. they want to organize their life around the yeah. information they're getting. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the Ouija board or, or any of the, the, the sort of technology of um, contact. I mean, I always say, say to people, really what you're doing is like any of these things are just doorways. Sure. And, and you're essentially opening doorways and standing back. And you've no idea what's going to come through the door. Right. And again, 90% of it is really your own subconscious. Mm-hmm. You know, your own unconscious begins to work through it or and it becomes a wonderful high of kind of um, half terrifying yourself. But for the bit for the bits that, uh, that sort of open up in, into the more um, entity contact end of things, you've no idea what you're dealing with. And just because it says it's. Uncle John or Aunt Mary or or your granddad or your grandmother, it doesn't mean it is. You you have no idea what what you're dealing with. So I always say to to younger people particularly, you know, it's always dangerous with young people to say don't because that immediately is an invitation to to go ahead and do. Um, But it's it's just being wary. It's being careful. It's protecting yourself. And I think what you often find is that um, the stronger practitioners in, in any of the, 
the spiritual traditions will normally recommend that people don't engage in spirit contact of any kind or description uh, until they're very, very solid in whatever their particular spiritual tradition would be. Certainly in the Christian tradition, obviously, it's it's not looked for. The idea is that if there is a good spirit that has a good message that essentially is is empowered by the divine to give it, you will receive it one way or another. It will come to you. So when we go looking for, the danger is you just don't know what you're going to meet. I find that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. and I've said it before. I, I think I've even said it when you were on. The, I tell this to the audience. I know it's do what I say and not what I do. But I mean, mm. in, in a sense, this is it's kind of my job now. Like mm. this, this is literally what I do for my employment. But if you can listen to us do it and not do it yourself, I, that I highly recommend that. <laughs> like the, like you know, you, I, I do think there are certain people that are that, that are sort of called into it, that as long as they remain grounded and and solid and as long as they're able to, you know, compartmentalize it and sort of put it to one to one place and um, be able to kind of walk back into ordinary life uh, very freely. Uh, you know, I, I think that there, there are people that certainly have sensitive abilities with regard to all of this and people who even their life story kind of pulls them into it. Mm-hmm. And as long as they're keeping a close eye on making sure that they don't become obsessed with the other world. You know, there's a reason we're here, I think, on this earthly plane, for want of a better phrase. And whatever that reason might be, different traditions explain it in different ways. I would explain it according to my tradition, obviously. But while we're here, I think we're meant to be here. And if we're engaging constantly with the other planes... I think we can, there are people who can lose contact with this life. And I think it's just important to be able to live this life as as fully as is possible, which includes connecting with with the spiritual realm, but it doesn't mean getting lost in it. And again, you know, I I think if you look at all of the traditions from the indigenous right way up to the classical religions, whether that's Buddhism or Judaism or Islam or Christianity or whatever, uh, including including indeed the pagan traditions as well and the neo-pagan traditions, all of them, you know, would have very, very solid protective practices mm-hmm. before engaging with the spiritual world. And I think it's important for people to be just as aware and have just as great a facility with those before they would begin to engage willy nilly. You know, um, you know, <laughs> somebody who's who's drunk at a party with with a with a Ouija board, you know, is is only asking for problems, even if that's only just a hangover the next day. Right. Um, but right. but they're asking for problems, you know, as opposed to somebody who is attempting to make sense of the of the spiritual world in a kind of an open way. Yeah, I would I would absolutely agree with that. And mm-hmm. even if you you know, it's like I, I said when we started, even if it's my own subconscious, you know, there's no harm in preparing it and in getting in that getting yourself set yeah. and, and centered, I suppose. Absolutely. I, I'd also say, you know, I think it's important. Like there, there's a broadness and that's one of the great things, I think. And it's one of the things that attracted me even to, to, to your podcast at the start. There, there, there is a broadness around accepting that being able to say, number one, we don't know. Also being able to say um, it may come from here. It may come from there. It may come from a, a combination of places at once rather than immediately, you know, settling into if it speaks to me, it's a ghost of the dead, or it is a, um, you know, a, an elemental spirit, or it is a demon, or it is an angel, or it is whatever. You know, you, you don't know until you know. 
And, and I think it's, it's important to be able to hold on to that openness that says this may even be a part of my own psyche right. uh, or a part of you know, the collective unconscious or whatever it might be along the way before I actually engage with it in a, in a way that begins to, to create it as a kind of um, a separate being for myself. I mean, even our, even our own tradition would speak of ideas even uh, over time beginning to assume almost a kind of a, a persona if they're fed enough. And so that, um, you know, that, that an idea that a number of people are sort of working on and generating around or whatever, that that can actually become. I, I always hesitate in, in sort of using the, the tulpa thing because I think it's very, very misunderstood in terms of what it, where it actually came from within the Tibetan tradition. But what is commonly understood as, as tulpa yeah. in, in, in the sense of, um, you know, uh, uh, an independent entity that is generated out of somebody else's consciousness. The Judeo-Christian tradition had had similar understandings with regard to just even ideas. Um, so from that point of view, you know, if you have a number of people together who are in a heightened emotional state and they're attempting to contact whatever, um, it's quite possible that they're creating something there and then. The, the famous Philip experiment would be a great exactly, um, yeah. you know, uh, indication of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. In spirit contact and so forth, do you find that um, these other things, whatever they may be, mm. tend to talk or communicate in symbols or metaphors and so forth? Mm. Riddles, riddles mostly, yeah. yeah. I think there is a, certainly amongst, let's call it the lower orders of the spiritual hierarchy, there is almost a kind of a rule operating somewhere that says we will not or we can't give you clear information. Mm -hmm. And so everything comes in metaphor and image. Now, it, I mean, imagination, I think I said this to you before, Im imagination, in, in, at least in, in, in the tradition I belong to, is seen as a, as a spiritual faculty. So metaphor, image, all of those kind of things, symbol even, um, are, are the language of the soul as such, um, in the same way as Jung would say that the language of the unconscious, you know? Right. And so um, in that sense, if, if a spiritual entity that lives in a more eternal way of being or an outside of time way of being is going to try and communicate to us or speak to us, they will most likely speak through image, metaphor, um, and, and kind of um, symbolic idea. And I think that's where archetypes come in and where all of that kind of imagery so even the, even the idea of, of hidden gold you know it works on so many levels from you know literal physical riches right the way through to the idea of the hidden the hidden gold of the spirit and i and i think the other thing that that happens within that is it also gets the spirit off the hook to some extent in the sense that it's always able to come back and say well i didn't actually mean you know you were the one who misunderstood right so, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's where the fairy tales come in with all of their lovely wisdom around, you know, not believing or, or being caught out by the magic that changes everything once the sun shines on it at dawn. You know, it's that lovely idea of um, the sun being the rational world of human reason. And so when dawn arises, you know, reason shines on whatever has been given from the spiritual entity to discover that actually it was mud or rocks or earth or air or whatever all the way along.
it's only when it's under the cover of darkness as such uh, or under the unconscious, you know, moonlight and starlight that it's kind of seen as something more valuable. I think the sort of trope of the man who's given three wishes by some other entity and mm-hmm. he wishes for a harem and, and gets a harem and then an impotence as well. You know, this yeah. is this, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of goes along with the same sort of uh, idea. In, in... Yeah, it's 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 trickstery. It's it's a very, very at times it can almost seem cruel um, sense of humor. But there's also this idea that, that to some extent, if you have had truck with with the spirits in terms of wanting things or trying to use them or trying to manipulate them. Um, then in the end, you're going to pay for that in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, lastly, I think you, you could hear is a you know pretty short session. We've had these that go on for you know forty <laughs> minutes and so forth, and and this is a, I I simply didn't like what I was hearing, so I just tapped chat on the shoulder and I said, Dom, I don't want this. Mm. Um, I guess I my question is, would you have done the same? were you in the same situation or or do you think that's you know if you're not feeling comfortable at all is it you know best case just leave just oh i think yeah i I think exercise your own your own freedom you know i mean that's that's the whole thing um if something is saying you know stay here and we'll give you more but your inner gut or inner intuition is saying that's enough um and the other thing is you know there's there's a simple principle of if i walk into somebody else's home whatever that that other entity is but let's let's call it the home of another and the other says i don't want you here go Mm -hmm. then you go Mm -hmm. you know so i think there are times when we we will be received very well and there'll be times when we will be told go and that mightn't be in words or or or, you know ghost box sessions or, or or you know ouija sessions or anything else it may simply be that deep intuition or that deep sense of fear that comes over us in a particular place that lets us know whatever about tomorrow this place is not for you today mm-hmm. you know I, I think you've often spoken on the on the podcast about you know those moments of hitting kind of walls of fear or walls of scent or those kind of things i think you know uh, if we're able to perceive it we're perceiving it for a reason and it's important for us to kind of hone our instincts to really be be aware of that i had an experience of something like that many years ago as a as a teenager i spent lots and lots of time in some some kind of local woods that we have here um and always found them the most pleasant place in the world to be but there was one occasion which is walking down a path that i walked many many times and i literally walked into just no it, it was like if, if if no could be personified the woods were telling me no mm-hmm. and i tried about two or three times to come back a different route but that would have brought me back to the same point and each time it was just no so i went home and the following day discovered that um, an individual who had very very severe psychiatric illness had committed suicide in the woods just up from where i had hit the no wow but had been found carrying a large knife unfortunately um, the poor man had had some kind of psychotic break. So I don't know what would have happened or what could have happened, but the no anyway saved me from at least walking into the site of a suicide, you know? Right. So from from then on, I've always been very aware of, you know, if a place is telling you no, then you, you can ask it why. I, I don't think there's any problem instead of sitting there and saying, okay, I, I understand you're telling me no, but why? What do I need to know? 
But I think that reflective capacity in us is something that really needs to be nurtured. Um, we have a lot of very deep human spiritual instincts um, around dealing with all of these things. Um, sometimes the fast pace of life and the noise and people being tuned into other devices and things like that maybe sort of dulls that down a bit. So I think for uh, one thing everybody can do, anybody that's listening, you know, c can do is, is just to begin to cultivate more and more the sort of reflective capacity in themselves, that inner listening to sort of what's going on. As one of my teachers used to say, it's, it's always good to discover the part of you that's saying, you know, don't go here rather than to discover the part of you that says, you know, we shouldn't have gone there. Um, you know, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's a subtle you know, difference, but important. Very important. It's, a, it's an important one. Yeah. A lot can happen between those two things. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that's um, that's something that everybody can, regardless of what they believe or don't believe, that's something that, that everybody can work on. Yeah. I, I tend to, you know, think of it in kind of in the terms of, of the way I, I have relationships with people. So if, if I meet someone and they're very aggressive, my inclination isn't to, to get aggressive back. My inclination is just to be like, I'm going to give you your space. Yeah, I think exactly. We're, I think we're done here. Exactly. Uh, um, Padre Pio, the great, the, the, um, great Catholic mystic and saint, mm -hmm. uh, he used to say, um, you know, speaking about the diabolical uh, end of things, he used to say, you know, the devil is a dog on a chain. And he said, if you, you know, walk towards a, a dog on a chain and it's barking and giving out and it's very it's obviously very very angry well as long as you remain um you know further away than the length of the chain you're safe but why would you walk within the length of the chain you know and i think that's something that we need to do is sort of to know what the distances are you know to know how to how to sort of um listen to the to the subtle signals from the other world and from the various elements that are there and listen to as you you've often said here listen to the kind of the wisdom the rules the folklore that have come down th through the centuries to say you know it's not a good idea to do a b or c right. um and and to kind of walk away from it i mean even even in terms of uh, exorcism proper one of the things that is always you know very very sternly taught particularly to those who are kind of starting off in 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 that end of things is you know have as little dialogue as possible, because when you're dealing with, with spiritual entities, they will sort of they can they can very easily prey on your own mental kind of worries and weaknesses and desires and all of those kind of things. So you're better off to simply say, you know, OK, if you're going to deal with me in a negative way, then I'm just not going to enter into the conversation. I'll just go on my way and, and hopefully send you on yours. And that's that's the, the kind of way of it. Instead, I think it's more about being open and carrying that kind of positive, compassionate regard. Uh, I mean, one of the practices that was always taught to us was that whatever place we go into, whether that's, you know, a house, forest, whatever it might be, one of the first things to do is to wish internally very deeply to wish or to pray for peace to be upon all entities, all beings that you are going to meet or that will meet you even if you don't notice them or not know that they are there. Mm -hmm. So you've at least begun from a, I come in peace. And I think that's a, a very important place to begin from. Absolutely. Brother Richard, thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you for your advice. Thank you for your prayers. Again, you set my mind very much at ease and made me feel a lot better that evening. I don't know. It's like I said, it might have been my own mind, but I know the way my mind works and I know I would have I've felt better in talking to you. <laughs> Well, so, so thank happy you. to be there. No problem. 
There are links in the show notes to the capuchin monks that Brother Richard works with. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you want to donate, I keep them there permanently. They're in the show notes permanently. I'll move them closer to the top for this episode. If you can help, it's their work with the homeless that they do. If you can help, it's a great cause. There's the Irish site. I have linked there as well. It's their American sort of counterpart. It's a wonderful cause. If you can give, please do. Every time Brother Richard's on, I feel like we should mention that as well. And if people are able to, it's a good cause. All right, the photo of the week tonight. This looks like a cabinet card, but it it doesn't look like other cabinet cards. I want to say that's a little bit later. It is. It's actually probably turn of the century because she's wearing, you know, probably what would be considered a Merry Widow hat. One of those gigantic early sort of Edwardian looking hats. I believe it's either Swiss or Swiss German, maybe just a straight German kind of turn of the century mounted card. About the size of a cabinet card. They always like do incredibly nice styling like mm-hmm. for a lot of those European studios. And so the accompanying signatures and everything are always like, really, this is like has an embossed gold with a neat little design on it. But I think it may or may not be a wedding photo. She looks pretty disgruntled. Um, <laughs> so it yes, may or may not wedding. be a wedding photo. Yeah, it's definitely a wedding photo. And he has a very um, dapper, tall hat. She's holding a little hanky, which, you know, sometimes designates a period of mourning. And, but um, I really am inclined to believe that this is probably like a wedding or special occasion. But she has this fantastic look on her face, which is the reason I kept it for so long. She just seems like wildly dissatisfied and kind of grumpy. And She's just done with the photographer. She's yeah. just, she's had enough of him. Yeah, that could be. Or maybe her partner. Maybe yeah. she's just, she's had enough. Maybe she's... a day and a half of marriage is enough. <laughs> but he looks pretty content. I mean, admittedly, he's playing out of his league, but <laughs> I guess that's a judgment call. Yes. So if you'd like to look at this lovely young couple, we've totally defamed. <laughs> well, if you'd like to see this picture for our photo of the week, you can go to the show notes under this episode at strangefamiliars.com. There'll be an image of this. You can click on that. It'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can buy this and other photos of the week. We still have some that are left there that have not been purchased yet. And we're adding new stuff all the time. Allison's adding other photos that haven't been put out of the week. I'm adding artwork here and there. Other than Riverbend Comics, riverbendcomics.com. <laughs> That's the only place to get Apparitions, my art book. But all of my books are there. Any of my books you buy from Etsy come assigned. And there's all kinds of other stuff there, too. Artwork. T-shirts. Strange Familiars T-shirts with the, the classic Awoken Tree logo. That's the only place to get that. Those aren't on Public. Other designs are on Public, but the Awoken Tree logo, you either have to get it via Patreon by subscribing at that level or buy it outright at our Etsy shop. So check it out. Our shop name is Lost Grave, but if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff should come up. While you're on Etsy, make sure to check out Chad's shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors, he sold an axe in record time tonight. I saw him put up <laughs> in fa- on Facebook and that was gone. So he's got axes that are coming and going. That's a side hustle they just never tell you about in school. What, axes? Yeah, maybe later on you'll be just hustling axes for extra cash. I think they've got knives sometimes. Their inventory fluctuates because I think some a lot of their stuff is one of a kind. Mm-hmm. So that's Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. That's Chad's Etsy shop. Our friends Karmic Garden are on Etsy as well. They have the Strange Familiar scent. They have Flannel Man scent. 
and all kinds of other wonderful scents for candles and soaps. Keep your house smelling like it hasn't been shut up for a year with the same family. (laughs) (laughs) Anything you might want in that realm, check them out. Karmic Garden on Etsy. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars gathering group. Our intro and background music is by Stone Breath. You can find more at stonebreath.bandcamp.com. And we're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars. Of course, you can always find us at strangefamiliars.com. inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.